We appreciate that message. Say amen. Take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. It's one of my favorite songs that um, Brother Randy does there is that song. I always think about the, uh, the play we used to have. And we'd have the thief singing that right there beside Jesus on the cross. And I always think about that. I don't know. God, God seems to be, through the song service, uh, saying something today. Uh, maybe there's somebody here today, and this is my message is not evangelistic this morning, but maybe there's somebody here today that's not saved. You never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me tell you something. There's no good thing you can do. Coming to church, that's wonderful. I'm glad you're here. That's not going to save you. Hey, it's only through the blood of Jesus. And, and you might say, well, I'm not worthy of that. Well, let me tell you, none of us are worthy of that. Not of good that I have done. That's, that's the truth of it, isn't it? So maybe God's speaking to you this morning. Hey, don't, don't let this day pass by. Hey, don't let this opportunity go away. What if that thief would have said tomorrow? He died that day, didn't he? But Jesus saved him. So listen, if, if you're here today and you're not saved, I implore you, I beg you, let today be the day. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter number 4. Think about that song whenever Brother Andy was singing it, What Did He Ever See in Me? Man, I, I think about that whenever I preach sometimes. You know, I'm like, I'm up here, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing up here. I don't need to be here. But I'm, I'm grateful that God has called me and God has given me the opportunity and God has allowed me to do that, you know. That's the way we ought to be about everything, isn't it? Not just our salvation, but whatever we do for the Lord, the Lord allows us to do it. Man, if you're in the choir, you ought to think, God, man, I'm privileged. God let me be in the choir. If you teach a Sunday school class, man, what did God see in me to let me do that, you know? If you're able to get on a bus route, you know, sometimes we look at that like, that's tough, that's work. Well, hey, what did God see in you to let you be the person going to pick up people, amen? So I was thinking about that this morning as I got up here, and that encouraged me, that song helped me. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at this uh, Whole chapter, maybe eventually, I don't know. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to talk about the unity in the body of Christ. Um, I want to preface this message. I don't generally suggest doing that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, some might think that I'm trying to point out a situation or a person. I'm not. I was reading my Bible the other day, and uh, it was last week. I've been reading through the New Testament. And this, this chapter just caught my attention. And I started studying it, and it comes back to this whole idea of unity. And so, I'm not trying to fix any situation or anything like that because let me tell you, I know of a lot of situations. We're all human. We all have a flesh and an old nature. We're all going to have some quarrels and some differences among us, right? At any moment, at any point in time, there's always going to be some people not getting along. That's, that's, that's the world we live in. That's the life we have. That is the church that we're in. Uh, so I'm not trying to do that. Uh, I actually told dad, asked dad if it would be alright if I preach this, because I don't want people to think, well, Jason's getting up there trying to fix, dad's out of town and he's trying to fix, I'm not trying to do that at all, you know, that's not my, uh, man, if I could just help one person, that's the reason I'm up here, and uh, so this message is going to be on this idea of unity and, and, and how we ought to get along with one another, and I think this will help us as far as our church family, I really believe this will help us, but I think it will help us in our daily relationships also at work, at home, uh, at school, and so in all of our relationships, we ought to seek this, this idea of peace and of unity. Let's look, let's look at the passage. We'll read this verses. Ephesians chapter 4. We're not going to read the whole passage. I would like for you to do that sometime today. Maybe you, you, you have a chance. Read this whole chapter sometime today. We're going we're gonna sti to uh, stick in the first six verses. Um, I have three points that cover all of these verses. 
uh, and, and I'll give you that outline here in a minute, but usually when I preach, um, my messages are usually two pieces of paper, all right, all the points. Well, I had not gotten through point one, and I was on my third page, and so I was like, oh, maybe that's the whole message. So I stopped, and so y'all, we'll get out of here before, you know, one. Uh, so anyway, Ephesians chapter four, let's stay and we'll read the first six verses, and we'll let you be seated. <clears throat> it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, <clears throat> with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. So with the Lord's help today, we're going to preach on this subject of the importance of the unity in the body of Christ or why we should keep it together as a church. Why we should keep it together as a church. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Uh, God, we pray that you'd help us. Lord, I pray that your word would speak to our hearts today. God, I know it's helped me. And Lord, I pray that it would help your people. Uh, God, that's what we're here for. Lord, we're here to edify and build your body, your church. And uh, God, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, give us this unity that this, these verses speak of. Uh, Lord, help us to be uh, together for a purpose of getting the gospel to the world. Lord, help us not to be divided. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, we live in a sharply divided world. Would you agree with that? Uh, I was talking to somebody this week, and they were talking about the, the Supreme Court judge thing and, and the hearings and Quite frankly, I, I try to stay away from a lot of those things because they irritate me, and I just, you know, I get bothered by them. So I just, you know, almost politics in general, man, I'm just like, forget it, I'm done with that, you know. But I, you know, he was saying something about seeing the, 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 the different sides and all of this stuff, and, and I was like, you know, I don't want to get, let those things divide our church, and we were talking about that. <clears throat> but I decided I'd watch it, see what he's talking about, you know, I want to be informed. So I was going to be informed. So I turned on the TV, and I started watching some of the hearings. Have any of you watched that? Oh, man, there's so much nonsense going on in that. I tell you what, I got on that, and you don't have, like, before they put up the name on the screen and the party they're affiliated with, you know who, what side they're on, right? I mean, before it even starts, this poor Kavanaugh guy, I mean, they're sitting there, they're grilling this guy. The, the Republican side are talking about how grand he is, you know? I mean, before he even says it, I don't know why he's there, do y'all? I mean, he, he's not, there's no reason for him to even be there. They've already got saying what they want to say. But, it, it, but then you get the, your Democrat side up there, and, I mean, they're, they're just trying to roast this guy. They're trying to catch him on every little word that he might have ever said in his entire life in any email that might have ever been out there. And, and, and it's kind of saddened me, honestly. You know, I was like, man, that's where our country is. We are so divided. We're divided upon race. We're divided upon uh, financial uh, ways. We're, we're, we're divided in, upon religion. We're di we, we just seem so divided. And I was like, man, this is not right. Uh, it's even in, in sports, you see it. You see it everywhere. Uh, I was, I was not watching, but I caught a little bit of the U.S. Open. It's a tennis tournament, you know, that they, they, they have up in New York. And, man, yesterday they were fighting it in. You know, I thought tennis is supposed to be civilized. They're breaking rackets and yelling at referees. I was like, man, what in the world? 
It's divided. We live in a divided world, in a divided country. And, you know, we have all these countries that say they want peace, and that's the, that's the, you know, the thing. All the pageant people, they say, well, what would be the thing you want the most? World peace, that's what I'm for, you know. It's like, um, and when we think that, you know, all about world peace, and that's what this world is seeking. But let me tell you something, this world will never find peace. The Bible says in Isaiah 48, 22, it says, uh, that, that there is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. Hey, this world, we're living in a sinful world. We're living in a fallen world. We all have an Adamic nature. And let me, I, I hate to say this, as many treaties, as many, uh, as many peace agreements as they make, um, you know, we can open every border and uh, be a globalist uh, thing. All the, no matter what we do, <laughs> we're not going to have peace until the Lord comes and gives us that peace eventually, right? And so that's the world we live in. We live in a divided world. But the sad thing about it is that a lot of that seems to be seeping in to our churches. The, way, the, the division that's out there should not be in here. We shouldn't have a divided body of Christ. Uh, you know, Paul, he, he talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You can look over there if you want to. 1 Corinthians 3, this is known as a carnal church. This is a church that was divided. And he said this to him. He, he was speaking to him pretty bluntly, might I say. He says, for ye are car yet carnal. That's not a good thing, okay? I mean, if, if, if you don't understand what that means, that's not a good thing. For ye are yet carnal. For as whereas, whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? You're walking like the outside world walks. We ought to not be that way in here. We ought to be united. Galatians, I like the way he said it in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5, he's, there were some people that had come in that were trying to divide the church on, on some issues of, 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 of Judaism and, and, and not Jews and these kinds of things. And, and so he, he, he tells them this. He, in, in chapter 5, verse 15, uh, Paul told the Galatian church this. He's speaking to the church. He says, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Hey, let me tell you something. There are churches all around America, all around the world today that are getting divided, that are not fulfilling their purpose of the Great Commission, that are actually closing their doors because people don't get along. They're biting and they're devouring one another. And the Bible says that they actually consume one another. So the Lord's help today, I want to speak on this subject and why we need to keep it together as a church. All right, we got three points here. I'll give them to you right quick and then we'll just cover point number one. Is that all right? The first part we see here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, we'll see the plea. The plea, um, the, 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 the plea for unity. Now, then verses 7 through 16, verses 7 through 16, uh, we will see uh, the purpose of unity. Why do we need this unity? Uh, and in this passage, in case I don't get to it, but he talks about the body of, uh, functioning as, as, as being able to come together in Christ's likeness and grow and, and use the spiritual gifts that God has given you. Do you know God has given everybody a spiritual gift and you ought to use it in the body of Christ? And then the last thing that we were going to talk number three, verses 17 through 32, talks about the practice of unity. So how do I do this thing we're talking about? The practice of it. Maybe we'll get to that. Let's look at, first of all, let's look at the plea for unity. So we see here in verse number one, we see the plea for unity. The first thing I want to see in verse number one is the call. 
Look at the call that the Apostle Paul gives us for unity. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Notice these words of therefore and beseech. It's very similar to that Romans chapter 12 verse 1 where he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I think that's important that we understand that sometimes we're going to have to present our bodies a living sacrifice. He comes to them and he says, I beseech you therefore. That word therefore, he's saying, because of what I've already taught you. Uh, uh, Paul does this a lot in his books. He, he will take the first section and he'll talk about doctrine. And then he'll go into your duty, what it means. Why do I need to do this? We live uh, in, in a religious uh, world today where they try and do away with doctrine, where they say those things are not important. Let's all come together. But Paul tells us here that doctrine, it affects our duty. It affects the way that we live. Uh, some of the things that, that, that Paul was teaching them. Look at, at, at verse chapter 1. In verse 3 he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath, uh, which hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's trying to say, you are rich in Christ. Isn't that wonderful to know that you are rich in Christ? Look at verse number 6. To the praise of the glory of the grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. He said this, you are accepted in Jesus. No matter where you come from, what your background, how sinful you are, you are accepted in the beloved. In Jesus Christ, you are accepted. Uh, verses 19 through 23, he talks about how he has blessed you with exceeding power to usward. And he says he's blessed you in verse 21, far above principalities he has blessed you. Uh, he, he says that he is the head of the body. He talks talking about that body there. In chapter 2, he talks about how we're sinners. But notice what he says in verse number 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. Isn't that wonderful truth to know? That's a doctrine we ought to know that we are saved by the grace of God. But he does it in there. Look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes, sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. What is he talking about there? He's talking about this relationship between the Jews and the Gentile. Look at verse 14. For he is our peace. They hated each other. They didn't get along, the Jew and the Gentile. For he is our peace, who has made both, what does it say? One, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. This is the truth that he's teaching. This is the doctrine that he has given us. He's told us we are blessed in Christ. We are accepted in him. Hey, we are saved by his grace. We are now one in the body of Christ. And because of that, therefore, because of that, you ought to do something. Um... Let's go on. Look at the next thing here. Note, therefore, but also note the word beseech. He says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. That word beseech, it means to call, to urge, uh, to, 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 to plead with somebody. He beseeches them. He says, because of these things, because of this, what I have taught you, I, I am going to urge you to do something. We have a lot of people that, that want to come around and, 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 and get the good feeling of, of coming to a service and being entertained and all these kinds of things. But they say, hey, preacher, don't tell me what to do with my life, though. But the Apostle Paul, he's not doing that. He's saying, hey, I beseech you. You ought to thank God. Listen to me. You ought to thank God for a pastor that beseeches you to do something. 
You ought to thank God for a Sunday school teacher that comes to you with the Word of God and says, hey, this is how you ought to live your life because the Bible says so, right? You ought to, you ought to thank God for somebody that cares enough about you to beseech you. And that's what the Apostle Paul does. Notice what he said there, though, between those two things. He says, I therefore, what does he say? The prisoner of the Lord beseech you. He understands something. You know, he understands that it's going to cost them something to do what he's saying to do. But he says, hey, just a little side note here, just a reminder. Let me just, I'm in jail. <laughs> I, I followed the Lord, <laughs> and I'm in jail. I'm not asking you to do something I didn't do. I'm not asking you to pay a cost I wasn't willing to pay. I've paid it. I'm a prisoner. But notice what he said. He says, I'm a prisoner of who? Of Caesar, right? Of Rome. I, I swear, no, what does he say? I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He realized something. He said, this is all, later on he says it like this. He said, this is all falling out for the furtherance of the gospel. He said, hey, hey, on that road to Damascus, whenever the Lord showed up and I got saved, I became his prisoner and I'm not trying to get out of it, man. I am captivated by the Lord. Isn't that the way we ought to live our lives? Hey, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Hey, everything, in, in light of everything, I'm his servant. I'm his prisoner. No matter what goes on in my life, I'm serving the Lord. The apostle Paul had a way of seeing everything through the eyes of the Lord. How, how does this affect the Lord? How does what I'm going to do affect the Lord? And that's what really matters, isn't it? A lot of times we say, well, this person hurt me. This person wronged me. This person made me mad. How does this affect the Lord? How does this affect his body, which is the church? So we see here he says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He understood the cost. But he looked at it, and how is this going to affect Jesus? How is this going to affect his name? How is this going to affect his church? How is this going to affect the gospel getting to the world? I might be a prisoner in Rome, but I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And if that causes the gospel to go out into the furtherance of the world, I'm for it. So we see he says that, I beseech you, there, or I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. So he's asking them to do something because of what he has taught them. Now what does he beseech them? Look at the next part here. I beseech you that you walk worthy. That you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Uh, that walk, it's, it's a key word in this second section of the book. The first section, chapters 1 through 3, he talks about their wealth. He talks about their blessings in the Lord. He talks about their riches is a word that he uses. Uh, that's the first half. But now because of that wealth, because of those riches... How are you going to walk? How does that affect your duty? Uh, you see it there in chapter 4, verse 1. You see it again in chapter 4, verse 17. You see it in chapter 5, verse 2. You see it in chapter 5, verse 15. He, he continues this idea of walk, walk, walk. Daily, day to day, your conduct day to day, it is important. It does matter. How are you going to walk? And notice what he said. He said, walk worthy. Walk worthy. That word worthy. I like this. I was looking at somebody and they gave this. It talks about that, that word worthy. It literally comes from the idea of balancing the scales. Of balancing the scales. And so here's what it's saying. What you believe, what you say you, 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 you believe on Sunday when you come to church ought to balance with how you live every day of your life. Are you walking worthy 
hey, does it match up? What you say you are, what you say you believe, does it match up with how you live? He is telling us to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, the calling wherewith you're called. How many are glad that God called you to salvation? Amen? I, 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 Brother Jeremy's preaching about... Uh, uh, where is Brother Jeremy? I thought I saw him. Brother Jeremy's preaching about, uh, about, about Calvinism on Wednesday nights, and, and he's talking about this calling. But let me tell you something. God has called you, and when you receive that calling of God to salvation, you are to walk worthy of that. It ought to change your life. It ought to affect the way you live. So we see, he says here, to walk worthy of it. Uh, let's read a couple of verses. Verse, First John chapter 1. Let's read these. I, I wanted to read these. Look at verses 5 through 7. It says, This then is the message which you have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we what? We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship with Him and with every other's when we walk in the light as He is in light. So we need to walk worthy. So we see, first of all, the call. But notice the characteristics of this unity. We're having the plea of unity. Notice the characteristics of this unity. What are the characteristics or grace, Christian graces that lead us to unity? And let me say this. This is not a natural thing. Naturally, what are we? Naturally, we're selfish. Naturally, we are divisive. Naturally, that's what we are. That's our old nature. That's the Adamic nature. That's what this world is fighting. What does it take? It takes the fruit of the Spirit. It takes the, the Spirit of God in us to make us that type of person that seeks unity. So let's look at the characteristics. Number one, it says, I want you to walk worthy of vocation wherewith you're called with all lowliness, with all lowliness. That, that, that speaks of humility. We are to walk in humility. If we want to have unity in our church, it starts by us being humble, by humility. Uh, it's been said humility is that grace when you know you have it, you have lost it, right? It's one of those graces we seek, but we can almost never find because when we think we found it, we lost it. Humility. Just as every sin has its roots in pride, Every sin has its roots in pride. Every true virtue, every grace has its roots in humility. Remember, pride was the original sin, wasn't it? What is it that got Satan kicked out of heaven? He says, I will. I will be like the Most High. And that got him kicked out. What is it that got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden? They thought they knew better than God and wanted to be like God. It was pride that got them kicked out. We need to be humble, people. Hey, if we're going to get along, uh, we need to be humble. Proverbs 13.10 says that only by pride cometh contention. Hey, that, what, what is the main problem we have is that we have pride. Why is it we have contentions in our marriage? Why is it we have problems in our relationships? Why is it we have fighting in the church? It comes down to pride. That's where it starts. We have pride. Pride is the beginning of all sins. But with humility, that's when harmony can come. Hey, when we're humble, you know what, it start, what humility starts with? It's the proper view of God, isn't it? Hey, realize how great God is. Realize how good God is. We realize that, that, that He is ultimately what's important, not me. So it starts with the proper view of God and it's a proper view of ourselves. Hey, we're sinful people. We're not always right. Can anybody agree that you're not always right? Some of you are saying, no, I'm right <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, I'm not, okay? <laughs> I'm not right a lot of the time. If we're going to have unity, 
it starts with lowliness. It starts with, um, or if we're going to have unity, it starts with lowliness. It starts with humility. Who's our example of this? It's Jesus, isn't it? Philippians, look at Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, just one book over chapter 2. Verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was this mind? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he what? Humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hey, you know what causes a lot of your fights and arguments? Some of you are always in them, aren't you? In your marriage... With your chill, always in them, always in a fight. Pride. Starts with humility. Starts with humility. So we see the first thing was humility. Second thing here, notice this. It's getting a little quiet over there, I'm sorry. Number two, <laughs> with all lowliness and meekness. Meekness, that word meekness or gentleness. It has the idea of a soothing medicine, of a broken colt, or of a soft wind. It's not weakness. A lot of people think if I'm meek, I'm weak. That's not, that's not what it's talking about. It's, it's, it's talking about power, but under control. Uh, it, it, that soothing medicine. Uh, we all like soothing medicine. We like something that makes us feel better. But, but how many of you know that medicine out of control is a bad thing? We've seen it with drugs, right? How you see it with some people that have to take some of these harsh treatments, almost kill their bodies. That's out of control. Uh, a broken cult. It's the idea of a broken colt, of a horse. A horse can be a powerful thing. Have you ever seen a bucking bronco? How many of you want to get on that? Some of you do. Not me. No, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. But riding a horse, that's a good thing. The idea of a soft wind, that's a good thing. How many of you have seen the, the, the windmills that, 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 that produce the energy and and a good soft wind. Have you seen a hurricane, tornado, the damage it can do? This is what we're talking about here. We don't have to be weak in order to have unity. We must be meek in order to have unity. If we're going to get along, meekness. It's the idea of being mild-mannered, of self-control, of not being vindictive or vengeful. Hey, but, you know, it is possible to be angry and sin not. Chapter 4, verse 26, the one we're in, it speaks about that. But you know what? That person is not angry. And we think, well, well I'm, I have a right to be angry. But listen, we're not, we shouldn't be angry about something that happens to us. We should be angry when something happens about God. That's what, that's what ought to get us angry. When people are going against God. When somebody hurts others, that ought to, that ought to bother us. But we ought to say, hey, when it comes to me, I'm meek. I'm meek. It's controlled. It's not careless. Not easy, is it? Not easy. Who's our example of this? Could it be Jesus? Think about in the garden. When Jesus was in the garden, they came and Judas came and kissed him on the cheek. What would you want to do when Judas came and kissed you on the cheek? Oh man, I'd have smacked Judas. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, I'd have smacked Judas right in the face. <laughs> but they took out their swords. Peter did. And he was going to go get them. And what did Jesus say? Put away your sword. 
Did Jesus have the power to take care of that crowd? In a, in a word. He could have called angels, or he could have just said, and been done with them. He had the power, but Jesus was meek. He was under control. So we see if we're going to have unity, we must be meek. Number three, we see here, look at it, it says, um, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. That long-suffering, it means to be, listen, it means to be long-tempered. It's the ability to endure discomfort, to endure the conflict, and not fight back. MacArthur said it like this. He said, the patient person or long-suffering person endures negative circumstances and never gives in to them. An example of this is in Hebrews chapter 6 is, is Abraham. It says that he impatiently endured and then he obtained the promises. We must be long-suffering. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14, it says that we are to be patient, long-suffering toward all men. <laughs> How many of you know somebody that tries that really hard in your life, right? They try and push it. They know that button to push. But what does the Bible teach us? We're going to have unity in our marriages, in, in, most, in our homes, in our work, in, especially in our church. We must be long-suffering or long-tempered. Hey, don't allow the circumstances, don't allow the people, don't allow those things to cause us to fight back, to lose our temper. We must be long-suffering. Who is our example of this? I think Jesus is, don't you? Look at Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read these verses to you. Hebrews chapter 12. If I can find it. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse number 2. He's talking about running with patience, the race that is set before us. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. How many of you know that took some long suffering, some patience right there? Despising the shame and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. We get mad because somebody uh, disrespects us. They spit in his face. They plucked his beard. And he was patient. Notice the next verse. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Well, you get to the place and say, well, I can't take it anymore, Brother Jason. I'm done with this. I'm going to let them have it. I'm mad about it. Consider Jesus. Consider him. They punched him. Plucked out his beard. Spit in his face. Nailed him to a cross. Put crowns of thorns on his head. Made fun of him. Mocked him. He endured it patiently. Fourth thing here, we see long-suffering. But it's not enough, and this <laughs> you're going to hate this. It's not enough just to endure them. Notice what it says. It says, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. You can't just endure them. You have to love them. Forbearing one another in love. You know, I can, I can, I can long suffer some people. <laughs> I mean, they might get on my nerves, but I can, you know, be, I can stay away from them. I can, you know, I can, I, I can be, I can endure them. You know, people that you just endure. 
But here it says that we are to forbear them. What are the last two words of that? We, we want to just act like that's not there. What are the last two words of that? In love. <laughs> We're to love them. Oh, my soul. That's tough. <laughs> but Brother Jason, they, 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 they don't, you don't understand. They've hurt me. They've abused me. They, they've bothered me. Well, the Bible says that we are to forbear them in love. We are to love them. This is foreign to the world. This is a foreign concept, man. If somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. That's what they teach us. Let me tell you something. That's not Jesus. Hey, Jesus came to this world and He loved us. Hey, um, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, it says this. It says, charity suffereth long and is kind. That's love. It's not just enduring. It's being kind. It's loving. Um, Proverbs 10, 12, it talks about how love covers the multitude of sins. I like this verse, 1 Peter 4, 8. Look at 1 Peter 4, 8. It says, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Hey, that doesn't mean that we're trying to sweep things under the rug and not deal with things. It means that we care about that other person. We want it to be right, and we love them. We're not going to make a big deal out of it because we love them and we want to be right. You know, a lot of times we broadcast things, don't we? We, brought, we want everybody to know I was hurt. We want everybody to know how wrong they were. But if we really loved them, what would we do? We would care about them. We would care about their reputations. Hey, you go and you start talking bad about your husband and your wife in public and saying all of these bad things about them. Let me tell you something. Charity covers the multitude of sins. We've got to love one another. Now, who is our example in this? I think it would be Jesus. Jesus on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. That's love. That's love. But God committed his love toward us, and while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, Jesus could go to the cross. You can forgive your brother or sister in Christ. You can love them. So, we're forbearing love. Last thing, endeavoring. It says in verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That word endeavoring means eager to maintain or to guard. It's a present participle. It means that we are to constantly be doing it. We are constantly to be endeavoring. We are constantly be uh, maintaining or guarding what? Peace. Here's the thing. Unity takes work. How <laughs> I mean, you know this is true in your marriage? You don't work, you don't work at it. It ain't going to work. Hey, you're not going to get along. Unity takes work. Peace takes work. We are to guard it. We are to work for it. Hey, that's why if we've, if we've wronged a brother or sister in Christ, we ought to try and get it right, shouldn't we? Hey, we've done something wrong. We ought to apologize. I've found myself, and I try, this, this is something I'm, I'm really, I honestly try to do. And I don't know if I should say this because then it's not being humble. But anyway, but I, I try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And when He prompts me that I've done something wrong, I want to go and apologize to somebody. I found myself apologizing more than I want to apologize. You ever do that? I was wrong, man. Why did I say that? That was stupid. You know, sorry. Uh, I do that. <laughs> I do it the other day. I, was, I did something. I thought I might have embarrassed somebody. I mean, I had to go apologize to them. I was like, I'm sorry. And they said, oh, I didn't think anything about it. And they may not have, but man, my relationship with the Lord is important to me. I don't want anything coming between that. And I'm going to endeavor. I'm going to try my best to get right. And so we need to endeavor. We need to work at keeping this thing right. When we do something wrong, get it right. Who's our example in this? It's not Jesus. 
He did nothing wrong. He never had to apologize for a thing, did he? But he did give us this in the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the children of God. You can be part of this family, be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. So we see the characteristics of it. We see the characteristics of it. And lastly, we'll cover this real quickly, the cause for unity. What is it that should cause us to be unified? Look at these verses, and I want you to tell me, you tell me, what do you think the key word is in these, these next two or three verses here? Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. What do you think the key word is? I think it might be one, don't you? One, unity. And he tells us, what is it, what causes us to be one? What causes us to be united? Well, he gives us some things. Let's do these real quick. We don't have time to cover them deeply. But number one, he says, for there is one body. There is one body. What is this talking about? We, as the church, are the body of Christ. We are not divided. We are one body. We are all one in the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill what He wants us to do here on earth. Jesus no longer is walking on earth. His body is no longer walking on earth. He is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. But His body is here in you and in me and in this church. We are the body of Christ. Galatians, turn back a couple pages. Galatians chapter 2. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. It says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hey, let me tell you something, we're all one in Jesus. Hey, it says that there's neither Jew or Greek. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. It says that we are neither bond nor free. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter if, if, if you are a male or a female. We are all one in Jesus. That ought to keep us unified. We ought to put aside all those things that make us different and realize Jesus makes us the same. We are one. So we see one body. Next thing it says, we have one spirit. It says, uh, for there is one body and one spirit. So we have one spirit. This is, the, this is the truth he's trying to teach us here. We all have the same Holy Spirit indwelling, living inside of us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19 talks about that. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Hey, we are all filled by the Holy Spirit of God. That ought to bring us together. Hey, if we're both walking in the Spirit, we're both obeying the Holy Spirit of God that indwells us, are we going to get along? Will we have unity? We will because we have one Spirit. You know what happens when we don't have unity? We're not being filled with the Spirit of God. We're not allowing, we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to speak in our hearts. We're not listening to His guidance in our life. When you have, when you have issues in your marriage, when you have issues at work, you got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Let Him be your guide. So we see one Spirit. We see one hope of your calling. Number three, it says in the end of that verse, uh, you're called in one hope of your calling. We all have the same promise. We all have the promise that the Lord is returning. Titus 2.13, it, it says that we are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we all have one hope. 
Hey, we all have the hope of heaven one day. We all are going to the same place. We ought to get along. We're all going to live together one day for a real long time. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> we ought to get along here, shouldn't we? But we all have one hope. We all have one hope. We have one Lord. Verse 4. It says, you have one hope of your calling. One Lord. We're saved by the same Jesus. Isn't that good to know? Acts 4.12. It says, neither is there salvation any other. For there is none other name given among men. Whereby we must be saved. We all got saved the same way. By trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have any saints in here that are better than others. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. We all had to trust in the blood of Jesus to cover our sins. We're all one in Jesus. But not only are we all saved, we all serve the same Lord, don't we? It says, in, in Master Club people ought to know this, right? Matthew, uh, Matthew 23, 10. For one is your master, even Christ. Hey, we all serve the same Lord. We're, we're not competing against one another here. Sometimes I feel like it's that way, don't you? But we're all serving the same Lord. We have one Lord. Uh, how could two people walk together? They say they're saved by the same Lord. They say they serve the same Lord, and yet they can't walk in agreement. We ought to be able to walk in agreement. It says, number, n- number five here, one Lord, one faith. We have the same faith. It's not talking about a faith as far as a feeling. This is talking about the faith that's been delivered once unto the saints. In Jude 3, we have the same Word of God. We have the same Bible. We ought to get along because we have the same truth that God has given to us. He placed it in His church. And we have the same truth that ought to keep us together. It's speaking about the gospel here. It's speaking about the good news. Hey, there's not talking about these false doctrines. It's not talking about these people that come in. And, and I, was, I was studying this in, in, in Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. 1 Timothy 1, 4, it talks about those vain janglings. In chapter 2, verse 23, it talks about these people that come in trying to make these questions and, and take you off. That's causing disunity. We're talking about the faith. We're talking about the good news, the gospel. Hey, let me tell you something that happens whenever you're not unified. You hurt the gospel. What are we doing here? We're supposed to be getting the gospel to the world, aren't we? We're supposed to be taking this faith that we have and sharing it with others. And yet we fight and don't get along. That's what it's speaking about. So we have one faith. Notice number, number six here. One, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's some disagreement as to this talking about water baptism or, or spirit baptism. I believe it's talking about being baptized up in verse number three where it talks about we have one body and one spirit. First Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about how we are uh, by one spirit baptized into one body. Here's what it's talking about. The, being baptized of the Holy Spirit happens when you get born again. You are placed into the body of Christ. We all have the same experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This has become very divisive in our, in, our, in our Christian circles today, is this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We only have one. You're baptized when you get born again. You are baptized into the, uh, into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit of God. You're not to be seeking this. And a lot of times we, we let this divide us. Well, I feel this way. I experienced this way. This happened for me. And, but let, let me tell you something. There's only one way it happens. You get born again. You get baptized by the Holy Spirit of God. We all have the same experience. We ought to be one. And then notice what it says in verse number 6. One God and Father of all. Here's what it comes. We, are all, we all have the same Father. 
We're all part of the same family. John 1.12, it says that to as many as believe, he gave the power to become the sons of God. Do you realize something? Do you realize how privileged you are? <laughs> you, can, you have a heavenly father that has placed you in his family. That ought to keep us together. I know when I was a child, there's nothing that pleased my mother especially, but my dad also, than when her children got along. And I could tell there's nothing really that grieved my mother and my father more than when we fought. And we did some of that. <laughs> but don't you want to please your heavenly father? We ought to get along. We should all get along. Notice what it says at the end of this verse, and we're done. I'm close. It says, we have one God and Father of all, notice this, who is above all. Hey, we should be concerned with pleasing and worshiping Him. Not having our rights, not getting our way, but we ought to be concerned with Him because He's above all. That ought to be our focus. When we get our focus down here, that's when we start fighting, not getting along. But when we have our focus up there, He's above all. It says that he is above all and that he is through all. I had a hard time with this when I was trying to study this out, but I got to think about it. He's through all. Every situation, every circumstance in your life, every person that comes in and out of your life, see God in that. See God in that. How is God going to make me draw closer to Him? How is God going to use my testimony? How is God going to use my testimony, my witness through this situation? He's in everything around us. You know, that's what it took in Job's life. Job, he was fussing and complaining and all these things. And God finally took him aside and started talking to him. And he said some things to him. He said some things like, Job, look at this. This points to me. And finally Job said, hey, through it all, I see you. And that's what it's all about. We don't need to fuss and fight with people. We need to see God in everything. And so we see that he is through all. And then last of all, it says, and in you all. We should realize we have God working on the inside of us. And we can. We can have unity. We can get along. Well, you don't know my situation. I don't. But I know my God. You know? And he is able. He is able. So... Unity in the body of Christ. I've given you just a plea for it this morning. I don't, I'm not, we, God has blessed us. Amen. This church has been blessed. We had our 40th anniversary. Man, we've had such, such a, God has blessed us. We've had such good unity. There's not a problem now that I'm thinking of. I'm not, but man, God has blessed us. But what does the Bible say? It says that we are to endeavor to keep unity. So let's do that. Hey, in your families, endeavor to keep it. Work at it. Hey, let's get along. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, pray that you'd help us with this. Lord, to help us with this, this, this message this morning, God help me. Lord, I know that there are times I get frustrated and irritated at others and God at myself. And Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to live that way. Lord, I want to be used by you. Lord, to, to my fullest, God, that's what I want. I want to be used by you. And Lord, I know that's the purpose of this unity. Lord, when we aren't, 
we aren't fulfilling your purpose here on earth. Lord, pray, pray that you please help us with this. With every head bowed, every eye closed, they come, they're going to start playing. They give you an invitation. I mean, here, say, Brother Jason, I know I'm saved. I know I'm part of that body. I have been born again. I know I'm saved. Would you raise your hand? You're sure of that? That's wonderful. I'd be glad to be part of the body 